Hello once again, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast. I'm Todd Stiles, one of the pastors at First Family Church in Ankeny. And uh, boy, I've really been enjoying this opportunity to bring some additional insight, what we call some bonus material, to what we preached about on the previous Sunday. And today is Tuesday, December 15th. And I want to unpack with you some more um, just maybe beauty from the miracle of the incarnation. You know, we've been talking about that now for a couple of weeks uh, in different ways. And I, I want us to take a moment and think about what the incarnation is not like. If, if you recall Sunday, I, I began with explaining in some ways like what the incarnation is like. It's unexplainable. And yet it's true. And so we try to get our hands around the parts we can, you know, somehow label or define. But the incarnation is also not like some things. Uh, the incarnation is not like mixing chemicals. You know, very few chemicals, if any, when they mix with another, uh, there is uh, some bit of change, dilution, addition. Uh, for instance, to get stainless steel, you add chromium to steel. And you don't just get chromium or steel, you get a third object. You get stainless steel. In fact, think about the jewelry that uh, you're wearing right now. It's not pure gold. If that were the case, it would be too soft to even wear, but it's probably 50 to 60% gold. And then it's mixed with either silver, copper, or zinc. And so what you have then is a wearable type of gold, a third object, we'll call it. The same thing's true with like salt water. It's salt plus water, but then you have something such as salt water. And so <clears throat> when it comes to the mixing of chemicals, typically you get either a dilution or you get a third object or you get some bit of change. But this is not true with the incarnation. It's not like the mixing of, of chemicals and you end up with some third different object. You have both God and man in one person, but neither has affected the other in a way that diminishes either one's quality, or brings about a third object. You have fully God and fully man in one person, and this is the incarnation. It is truly, as C.S. Lewis said, the grand miracle. And so what I want to do for a moment is just simply unpack some more things about the incarnation that I think will cause us to rejoice during this Advent season. I think it's important to note this as well, that the incarnation is the um, eternal Christ becoming the incarnate Christ. You could even say the earthly Christ. At this point, he took upon himself the name of a man, and it was Jesus. Uh, and when he became a man, he did not empty himself of his uh, divinity. And there is a theory of thought out there. It's called kenosis, in which some have um, proposed that until Christ's baptism, uh, he wasn't fully God, and that he was just a man, and then upon his baptism, he was endued, we'll call it, with divinity, and that's how he ministered and served, and that's what enabled him to die. And as I've said to our church before in years past, and I'll say it again today on this podcast, we say no to kenosis, all right? Uh, it's just a false doctrine. It's not true. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man uh, from the moment he was born. Uh, they, uh, those who hold this false view, they use the word in Philippians 2 where it says he emptied himself. <clears throat> and 
And they, they, they see that word as meaning he got rid of something, but that's not at all what is happening in the text. He's simply saying, the, the, the writer there, Paul, which is by, basically, by the way, um, quoting an old church hymn, but he, he's saying how that, that Jesus Christ poured all of himself out. And so when he became man, he poured all of who he was as the eternal Christ out into being 100% man. And so we have in Jesus Christ 100% God and 100% man. And this wasn't done in stages. He wasn't part man and then part God. He wasn't at one point just a man and at one point just God. He was the incarnate Christ, the, uh, the God-man. He was God in the flesh. And this is a wonder to behold without a doubt. Now, as you think about how to illustrate this, I'm going to speak to some families for a minute. It may be hard to kind of get this in front of your kids. I encouraged you a couple of weeks back to have conversations with your children, even spouse to spouse, about the Incarnation as one of the key Christmas doctrines. You know, discuss it over dinner, maybe when you're driving from uh, back and forth in errands. Here's an illustration that I think will help, um, you know, teenagers and younger children kind of um, grasp what's happening in the Incarnation, because we're talking about how when He was here, He was fully God, and yet He did not express His deity uh, in every single way, even though He possessed His deity in every single way. So uh, consider this illustration in which a king who is uh, the king and has full authority and rights as a king, he's visiting parts of his kingdom, and in one of the areas that he's not visited perhaps very much, he sees that it's um, broken down and not doing well. And perhaps there's a lot of illness there and sickness there. And, and uh, you know, the, the economy is, is not working well. And he wasn't as familiar as he thought uh, he was with this. And so to better understand what those folks within his kingdom are living with, he actually disguises himself <clears throat> and he goes and lives as one of them. Uh, in somewhat of, we'll call it a secret fashion, he disrobes his kingly attire. He takes on the clothing and the appearance of those who live in that area. Many of them beggars, perhaps uh, many of them unemployed. Uh, and so he looks like one of them. And in fact, he becomes one of them, uh, working at times in their jobs, even at times um, experiencing what it's like to be unemployed, uh, begging for food at times. And even in the moments when he could have exercised his kingly authority and brought in uh, things to help him, like, for instance, the king experienced the sickness that was prevalent in that area. A disease may have been rampant because of the conditions of that uh, area. And so instead of bringing in what he could have rightfully brought in to solve it, he experienced it and he endured the sickness, uh, the problems that were there, let's say, with sanitation or even with physical health, um, because he was appearing to be one of them. He was mistreated, maligned. Uh, and so he, instead of bringing in the kingly army, which he had the right to do, he was still the king. He didn't. He endured that. And so though this king appeared to be one of those homeless or one of those uh, beggars or one of those uh, in those unhealthy situations, whatever was kind of he was going through at that moment. While he appeared to be one of them, and he was actually, he he was still the king. He had retained all the rights of the king, and he could have, 
if he had wanted to, called in the kingly army to protect him, called in the, the king's <clears throat> you know, medical doctors to help him with his physical situation. He could have accessed every bit of that, but he chose not to because he was appearing to be and actually was one of them. And so in that situation, in the illustration, the king still retained every bit of his kingliness, even though he was partnering with and appearing to be and was actually living as one of the citizens in that area. And so, again, there are very few analogies that perfectly illustrate the incarnation, but I find that to be one that at least gets us a good way there. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He retained every bit of his authority and majesty and kingliness, but it was veiled or hidden by his humanness. And when he donned the the flesh of humanity, he did um, restrict his use of divinity to solve the problems of humanity. And so the things that he endured are the things that we endure. And this is why Hebrews would say, he was tempted in every way like as we are. We know that in his temptation, he hungered. We know that he cried at the death of Lazarus. So there were emotions and there were temptations. There were conditions that Jesus Christ, the man, went through, even though he was still Christ, the God. And so be aware of this. His humanity somewhat veiled his divinity, but both were there and present and as I said to you last week, this is known as the hypostatic union. It's a wonderful Christmas blessing. And uh, we are so thankful uh, for the incarnation. So I hope today this encourages you, not only gives you um, maybe some ways to understand it better and lets you know what not to believe, as in this false theory of kenosis, but also perhaps some, some practical ways to explain it to your children or perhaps to those of your friends or even your spouse as together, you and your family uh, just continue to dwell on the beauty of Christmas and enjoy this season of Advent. Well, it's been uh, my pleasure speaking with you. I trust to see you again this weekend, and I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas, and I'll see you again Sunday, or I'll talk to you again next week on the Extra Point Podcast.